This episode of Bushers Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That is right. Even though it's the summer, you can still support the show as we record about the New York Rangers 365. Go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blueshirtsbreakaway and you can access to our BSB, OTs, Discord, and much more. Today on the show, uh, stay till the end. The end is worth it, I promise. The last 15 minutes of this show are electric. If they're not electric, I don't know what they are. They're nonsense. They're classic Blueshirts Breakaway garbage. So hopefully you enjoy that. We do have our dear friend Drew Way on today, who's been our prospect expert for almost a decade on this show, to talk about the draft, and we talk about the assistant coaches and no-movement clauses. So with all the fun in store, why don't we have Mark Messier introduce the podcast? Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Blue Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan, as we recap the summer of Ranger excitement. That's right. Greg, say hello. Sports were a mistake. I, we've all made a mistake. We've, we've all... we, we got to do better. I had someone someone on Reddit uh, posted, hey, I'm a new fan <laughs> of, of the Rangers. Are there any good podcasts to listen to? And a bunch of people recommended us, and I want to thank them, Sorry. which is awesome. Uh, but then I immediately responded, like, you can not do this. <laughs> you you have an option to have a happy life, to do, you know, you can do jigsaws, and you can actually complete them. You can obtain the thing you want to do, or you could follow the Rangers. Yeah, you That's, can read. Yeah, read good books that have endings. Nothing from George R. R. Martin, You can even, shit, read bad books. Just read, in general. <laughs> Just read. Just read. Oh, man. When we last left our heroes, the New York Rangers had not had a coaching staff, and now they do. Mm. Uh, Phil Housley is the associate head coach. Dan Muse is the assistant coach, and Michael Pekka is also an assistant coach. And one thing that we said over and over again on this podcast was the assistant coaches will be the thing that we look out with for Laviolette staff. Everything I've heard, everything I've read, and especially from our guy Stephen Valaket, who we love dearly, has been glowing reviews of all of these hires, especially Dan Muse, by the way. And look... You wanted the Rangers to go out of the box. You wanted them to become more new-aged. They did exactly that, with the exception of Laviolette. So we complained very much, if you go back four weeks, about the Laviolette hire, how boring it was. But at least the Rangers didn't take the give Laviolette full control uh, round that he usually has. Well, I think the impressive part of the entire search is that each of these guys has a Laviolette connection. It, it, it's not like Laviolette is going to be working with strangers. And I, I do think that's important where if you hire a guy, you can't force feed him a coaching staff. He has to have familiarity and comfort with the guys around him. At the same time, you know, you you don't have the Kevin McCarthy's of the world who have just been attached to Laviolette's side forever. You were able to help identify up-and-coming coaching talent that have connections to Laviolette where – it doesn't feel like you're stepping on his selection process. You're bringing in guys that understand what Laviolette want to do, but also guys that have different viewpoints and mindsets about how the National Hockey League should be played. Um, yeah, we, we said this on OT, and it's worth repeating right now. I, the Laviolette coach, the coaching search in general, probably a D, D minus, uh, 
at best, give it a C minus where you can say it's lackluster. It's not exciting. You're not over the moon about a Laviolette guy. They, they clearly didn't want Laviolette. They clearly wanted six other options. Yeah. At the same time, I think where the Rangers deserve full marks is part one, realizing they had a problem with Gerard Gallant, realizing the plan that they currently had was not working, and realizing they needed to make a new plan. They get credit for that. And then part two, we I, I said this on Twitter, we said it on OT. You, you can't sit here and complain about this coaching staff. You just can't do it. No, this it's... Is, it's excellent. It's everything we wanted. <laughs> yeah, it's, on, it's one of those things where, on paper, important to emphasize. We, if, it's very important in the sporting world to say before something actually starts and watch it go off the rails that we're talking about on paper. On paper, on June 26th, you cannot complain about this coaching staff, even with LaViolette at the head of it. If Because, think about it, I, is the coaching staff this dynamic if Mike Sullivan's here? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. But the entire makeup of this coaching staff, even with LaViolette La up front, it's really hard. You just can't sit there and complain. This is a, a dynamic, diverse coaching staff with guys that have different ideas from what we've seen the New York and, Rangers do And different previously. walks of life. Uh, finally, some development. Finally, some skills. I, I, You know how I know I was bored? I was watching Dan Muse give like a five-minute talk about how he handles practice. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is going to change things. And I'm an idiot because I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> but... But to watch Dan Hughes be like, look, we do these high-pressure situations so that when they're in games, we actually can replicate these moments. It's like, oh, wow, did Gallant do any of this? Like, I, I'm not sure. I have no idea. Do the guys know? I have no clue. And it's, it, to go even further, like, it's interesting that Michael Pecker came up through essentially the AHL, was, was able to find his roots with young players, which is going to be important moving forward. Uh, Dan Muse looks at the game just – completely differently oh my god what is happening to me you dying <laughs> i might be finally time oh god it's like brett Beatty just jumped at my throat and can't throw the second <laughs> you're, oh is that you're choking i'm sorry <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah dan muse looks at the game differently and even phil housley had those two seasons with the buffalo sabers jack eichel fucking loved phil housley and i remember i i don't think i'm making this up off the top of my head but I remember reading that the first fissure between the Sabres and Jack Eichel was that they dismissed Phil Housley. And, and that obviously started a domino effect where all of a sudden we are where we are, where Jack Eichel's lifting a cup and he's no longer on the Buffalo Sabres. But Housley has experience coaching young players. Those Sabres teams are incredibly young. He went to the Arizona Coyotes, who were adverse to playing anybody over the age of 30. That was worth they, a damn. They pretty much offered him a check and they were like, can you just politely talk to the men who show up and see if they can play hockey. But he did, like, Housley wasn't charged with defense. I don't think we've ever had a problem with defensemen in Arizona. He was able to revitalize Shane Gostisbehere. That's Jacob, true. Jacob Chikorin was the hottest commodity on the trade market for all of two years. Um, the, the Coyotes have a good track record of produce. I mean, shit, he got Oliver ekman Larson traded. So that that's got to be worth something. That is, uh, I mean, that I mean, he showed it off. So I mean, he got, actually, well, now that I'm saying it, someone's gonna be like, oh, actually, uh, Ekman Larson was traded before that, and it's possible. All I'm saying is he was there. He to helped help. in some way. Yes. <laughs> the the things that plagued the Arizona Coyotes were not that they couldn't coach their players. It was that they were actively not acquiring good players. But Housley had an impact on guys Tanking. that were playing well. So uh, he deserves some flowers for that. And it's. It's going to be interesting to see how um, the coaching staff 
handles their responsibilities. It seems like Housley will be your defensive coordinator. Pekka will be your offensive coordinator and views will be your eye in the sky. Um, but it, you know, I, both Pekka and Housley have worked with power plays in the past. Uh, I'd imagine with defensive coordinator responsibilities in my head usually fall under the defensive coordinator's responsibility, uh, the penalty killing responsibilities. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I just, I think we can say Pekka's great on face-offs with young players too, which is something the New York Rangers desperately need help with, help with. Uh, it, as it, just to put a bow on it, it, as we're sitting here talking about it, looking at it, I do not see a way a Ranger fan could be angry about how the hiring and form formation of a coaching staff. I don't, I don't know how you could be upset about it. Don't think it is possible. There's something's weird about this year already. Possible part of this is because the team won't change, right? We're, I think we're pretty confident. We've had the over under conversation. We don't need to reiterate it where it's. How many players are going to turn over on this actual roster? The cap space is officially only going up a million dollars. The NHL, everybody, have a great time. Uh, hopefully, hopefully the Rangers can get more cap space and we go room in the future. Like Barkley, Goodrow could get traded, but for the most part, things might not move. I, I'm standing firm with, again, I set the over-under at two and a half players currently outside the I have it hard under. Yeah, I, I just don't see it. I I think the, the Goodrow stuff, even the rumors you're seeing... It's simply that if a team wants to overwhelm the Rangers for Barclay Goodrow, they will allow them to. But I have nothing to suggest that Chris Jury sees Barclay Goodrow as part of the problem with this hockey team. Yep. I, I don't see that at all. Let's get to the no movement clause uh, just conversation overall <laughs> in just a second. But I do want to finish this thought. This is the first year, I think, as Ranger fans, and especially on Ranger coverage, there are things we ignore in certain years. One of those things is assistant coaches. I don't think we particularly talked about assistant coaches at all under Gerard Gallant. We will be talking them just one second. We'll be talking about them a lot, a lot in the next couple coming months, especially when the when the season starts. And then usually around this time, we are draft obsessed. And this is the first year I, I know I've said this last week, but it's just there's no, no interest in Ranger fans in the draft this year. And I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if there was a trade if they trade this first round pick or if they try and make something happen at the draft. I don't think they'll trade the first-round pick, mostly because of the same logic we've been applying with Alexi Lafreniere. What are you trading the first-round pick for? You can't afford it. What what player are you getting that you can afford you can't put at it the in cost the line, of a first-round pick? Yeah. yeah. So I, I think the Rangers use this pick because I don't think they have a choice. The, the dream scenario that everyone would love to live in uh, especially we did our prospect rant and how we don't care about the future prospects already got that. But the one prospect that is not Connor Bedard is Mitchkov that everyone really likes. And of course he had that picture in New York this week. The dream scenario is the Rangers find a way to take him in like the top five. But then again, guys, they'll also ruin him as well. <laughs> like they will ruin him as well. So that, that would be the most exciting thing that could happen to the draft. But I put that at under 1%. He'll probably go to David Quinn in San Antonio and quit hockey in three years. So I don't know. We, we have I, that. I, we'll talk to Drew. He, he knows more than us. He's yep. coming up later later in the podcast. He'll be on. Uh, we should make mention that we're doing a playback live stream for the entire first round. I will be in my car. Be awesome. cool. I'll be home chilling. Uh, Drew will be there. Uh, Joe Fortunato is going to jump on for a little uh, bit. Joey, Josh is tr Kathleen trying to see if he could come on for a wow, little all, bit. All, all the guys hanging out. I know. I, I'm trying to get us a lineup here, uh, but that'll be on playback. We'll all just be hanging, making fun of teams that do dumb things, which surely there will be, and the Rangers might be one of them. Uh, but yeah, I to me it comes down to I like, are you going to package Lafreniere and your first this year to move up into the top five? 
Does that help the New York Rangers? I don't think it helps the New York Rangers. No, it helps the New York Rangers in the long term, but Does that's it? not what they're... You know what helps <laughs> the New York Rangers in the long term? Alexi Lafreniere reaching a ceiling. That's a goddamn fact. Yeah. <laughs> that's a goddamn I, fact. It's it, To me, it's a, it's a very classic uh, boat or the box. I saw that, uh, yeah, of course, like, Mitchkov is this higher-level prospect. But we, we've, box. we've seen We've seen all this before. We've yeah. seen a lot of it. Yeah. But Bedard is one of the surest things there are in history, but he's still not sure. Also heard that about Alexi Lafreniere. It, yeah, Bedard's at a different level. Yeah, because uh, he's 5'9". <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're not wrong. You're he's not a, wrong. He, he's a different level because he might not be able to get on the roller coaster. Oh, okay. I, I say that as a man that's 5'8". Hey, we both, yeah, both of us are 5'8". We're like, hey, this guy's so sh- fucking short. <laughs> yeah, I, I, too, want to draft someone my height. I yeah, agree. Not a good idea. We're going to start. We're starting early. We're going to be the guys that say Connor Bedard sucks. Well, he went to Chicago, so I'm just hoping it does. <laughs> just hoping he does. Uh, let's talk no movement clauses. So, there was a couple trades that were going to happen this weekend, specifically mm. between the Blues and the Philadelphia Flyers, who were trying to clean house, remove Kevin Hayes, and others. We'll get to Tony in a minute, don't worry. Uh, I think we've had this conversation before, but it is sort of silly that NHL GMs hand out no movement clauses like candy. Like candy. Lot, I saw a lot of people arguing like it's in lieu of them being paid not as well as, you know, the bullpen starters that we always like make fun of in the MLB. <laughs> and I just, that just can't be the case. The market sets itself. You're in a, it. You cannot compare sports to sports in terms of money and what you can hand out. It doesn't make sense to me that you can hand or a, a bottom six player or a bottom four defenseman who's not a star can say, hey, look, I'll sign for, I don't know, 500K less, but you also can't move me. Like, ever. And I have the right to say that. And I know players want that security. The only way you should be able to get that security or you should be able to hand out that security is if you are an absolute stud star. You should be Adam Fox. You should be uh, Artemi Panarin. Whether you're, how, no matter how you feel about him right now, Artemi Panarin deserves a no-movement clause. Outside of that... It's like, it's very much like, what are we doing? How, how, how do they get the leverage to make this happen? And it will make the league a better, more entertaining, more fun league with more movement and shorter contracts. It's something we've said over and over and over again, but the eight-year contracts are going nowhere. Makes no sense. First things first, shout out Tory Krug. You're a legend. You're a hero. You got to, it, buddy. To tell, to tell the entire city of Philadelphia to go fuck itself, you're my favorite hockey player. I'm all in. Big Tory Krug guy buying a jersey tomorrow. Um, uh, that guy, he just, he get whatever it is, Ryan Tory Krug gets it. Gets it. Uh, <laughs> at the same time, yeah, you're, you're 100% right. This isn't an exaggeration. There's one player in the National Basketball Association with a trade clause. One. LeBron doesn't even have one. Bradley Beal is the only player with a trade clause in the NBA. That's it. Uh, in baseball, the only guys that get no movement clauses, no trade clauses, Bryce Harper doesn't have one. The Phillies said, we'll either give you a 13-year contract or you can get a no-trade clause. You can't have both. So he took the years. Like, if it's something that the Phillies don't even offer Bryce Harper, why does Barclay Goodrow have one? Bryce Harper was on is like the LeBron James of baseball. He was on Sports Illustrated when he was 16 years old as the next great thing. Yeah, has he been? No, but has he been really good and a multiple MVP winner or a follow-up winner? Yes. Yeah. This, it He's would real be, good. It would, be, it would be like the Mets giving one to Eduardo Escobar. That, that's what the NHL does. Eduardo, we can't move you, bud. <laughs> Just can't do it, man. I, can't I, do it. <laughs> well, then the Mets did. Yay. Great. Do yeah. it with Tommy Pham next. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, 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 it's harder to me 
to find a player who doesn't have a trade or movement clause in their contract than it is to find a player that uh, does. Like, if you any player you want to target in trade, if they're worth a damn, they have a clause. The only way they don't have a clause is if they're on their original contract. It's super Every second contract gets a clause. I get why in baseball you hand out the long-term contracts, especially to the young stars. Some of them are criminal, as we've discussed many times. The yeah, Atlanta everything Braves, that happens in Atlanta. Yeah, great. Yeah, everything that happens in Atlanta is criminal. Outside of that, like players that have been handed recently in the MLB, Wander, uh, Julio Rodriguez, they all got, they're all like 20 years old and they all got 10 year deals. Makes sense. The teams are trying to save money in the long run by guaranteeing money up front. But for the most part, when you give a player a contract anything over three to four years, four years is such a long time that that player becomes entirely different for the second half of the contract. And in hockey, every contract is eight years. Everything is seven to eight years. The New York Rangers gave a longer free agent contract to Vincent Trocek than the Phillies gave to Zach Wheeler. And Zach Wheeler is tier two pitcher in the MLB? You could make the the argument that he was two years removed from pretty catastrophic arm injuries, and you could have said there was a ticking clock. But still, he entered free agency as the number one starting pitcher on the open market under 30 years old, and he got five years. Five. (laughs) <laughs> now look he got a lot of money and i get that but uh, vincent trocheck got a no movement clause and we're just using the rangers as an example here because yeah. there's every team has 15 of these and i i do wonder if nhl gms begin to start saying well what if i just don't give you a no movement clause what's the worst that happens you say no and i find another bottom six player i i wonder if do nhl gms just assume that players will waive them because I, I don't know if you got this vibe. I got the vibe that some people were trying to vilify Tory Krug. I did oh, too. And it's just like, no, man, you he is he's honoring his contract that you gave him. He we signed a contract and a deal. Both sides. I, you, ha- you can't blame Tory Krug for going to a team that's clearly on the up, a, a team that's rising, a team that's good, and a team with history that has won recently. Why would he at 32 want to go from that team to a team that is literally blowing it up. It could be as simple as, my kids really like the schools they're in here. All right, Mike Hampton, easy. I'm just saying, that's it. <laughs> it could it, be. Well, You're right. Well, I, I missed the joke. I don't know the Mike Hampton joke. Mike Hampton left the Mets after the 2000 season because he said the Rockies had a good school system in Denver. Oh, my God. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. No, it's right okay now. because with the, dra- <laughs> with the draft pick that the Mets got from the Rockies for Mike Hampton, they took David Wright. It worked out. Oh, okay. Everything worked out. Everything, but my, that, the one time in Mets history, it worked out. That was it. <laughs> point uh, is, like that, it could be as simple as that, and that's the only reason he would need. He wouldn't even need to provide one. It's there for a reason. The, the, the report I saw today that actually made me raise an eyebrow, too, is that Philly, the Flyers, weren't even trying to flip Krug again. They want Krug. Why do the Flyers want a 32-year-old defenseman with four years on his contract left? That that makes even less sense than Krug waiving his no-trade clause to go to Philly. Do we need to talk about Barry Trotz, by the way? Did he make that move for Ryan Johansson? I don't mind it. It depends if they sign Galchenyuk. Okay. I, I think that's a big if. To, right now, they... To me, they freed up $4 million in cash space they didn't previously had with a player that they, I think, is still useful, but I, I don't, the Predators... The They're just trying to move on. Yeah, the timeline doesn't really add up. The question to me is, do they sign Galchenyuk? If they sign Galchenyuk, it's a horrible trade. But if they just took Galchenyuk back as a 
contract slot that they will let walk on July 1st, I withhold judgment for now. I'm, I'm 100% with you. If they sign him, it's awful. It's, uh, it's bad. That's one of the worst shirts I've ever seen in my life. It's, it's as bad as it gets. Yeah. It's as um, bad as it gets. Yeah, I, that was an interesting move, but it, I, that story still needs to be told to me. But what the Flyers... I, If you're trading Sanheim and bringing back Krug, you're getting worse, but you don't want to flip Krug? Why wouldn't you want to flip Krug and get more assets? I don't get it. Briere has been pretty smart thus far. He but... has. It's been annoying watching the, the Flyers make intelligent moves. Well, not all intelligent moves because, again, they tried to trade for a guy who's like, I don't want to go to Philly. Makes sense. Well, let's speak about guys they can't trade for. So they tried to trade Tony D'Angelo to the Carolina Hurricanes. And apparently, according to Pierre LeBrun, the NHL is stopping that because they believe it's cap circumvention. Yeah, it's a weird as... loophole. It's a uh, weird loophole. Why are we caring about cap circumvention now for the first time? But not just that. It's... So if this trade happens on July 9th, it's cool? Just because it's been a full 365 days? What are we doing? It's also, to me, how can it be circumvention if you fired the guy that signed him and the new guy is like, I don't want this fucking guy. Right. He doesn't want him. It's not circumvention. It's, it's not there. There's clearly not in cahoots. Torts, by the way, didn't love Tony D'Angelo. Yeah. Surprise. Circumvention to me would mean that the plan was for D'Angelo to do a year abroad essentially, to then come back to Carolina. D'Angelo went to Philly because Philly wanted him. The Circumvention guy who wa- is when, when Kevin Klein mysteriously retires. Retires. <laughs> doesn't doesn't take the injury designation. Straight up leaves money on the table. And then plays in Europe that year. That <laughs> might be circumvention. <laughs> circumvention is, you know, a team telling a guy, get hip surgery and chill. We're going to sign our two young guys who magically don't want offer sheets. And then yeah. when you're healthy, quote-unquote – Come playoff time, we'll insert you back in the lineup. To me, this isn't circumvention. The Flyers wanted D'Angelo, signed him to a two-year deal that was high and overpriced, gave up meaningful assets to get him, and once they fucked it up, there's only one other team in the National Hockey League that has any value or interest in Tony D'Angelo on a one-year deal, and it's a team he just left. It's not the Carol. It's not Carolina's fault that the Flyers were so terrible last year. They fired everybody, but it's also not the Flyers' fault that the guy they the new guy wants to get rid of the old guy's toy and only one guy wants them. No, it's, and Rod, Rod knows he know, he knows he can use Tony the way he needs to, which I, is he runs the power play and he can get the most I know, but at the same time the Hurricanes should understand they've already upgraded and they have Brent Burns. You don't need Tony. The the Hurricanes are being saved from themselves here a little bit, which is disappointing for you and me, guys Sad. who root for a team that would like to beat the Hurricanes. But if I'm the Hurricanes, I look at Brent Burns and go, "I have Tony D'Angelo and he's better." Uh, why do I need to also get Tony D'Angelo? You don't. <laughs> you don't. But if you can get him at half retained, maybe they're doing the whole salary cap situation where it's sure. Hey, I mean, it's no, blah, nobody blah, loves a distressed asset more than Carolina. That's nobody. for damn sure. Nobody. Uh, uh, but anyway, quick. no okay. trade clauses. Garbage. How about this? How about this? Only team that can offer a no trade clause is is the retaining team. So if you want to sign a new contract with a new team, no no trade clause. That's interesting. I, it'll I, never, it'll never happen. By there's, the, there's a lot that are, is never going to happen in the NHL, and I just think five year contracts is something that really, and no trade clauses going out of the window really changes the league. Now that would require a lot more money going to the players for them to agree to that, and they would never do it. But boy, that changes the entire culture if they were able to pull that off. I don't know. I still, look at, I still look at players' salaries and laugh. Like David Severson's making less than Omar Narvaez. On yeah, an eight, on an no, eight year deal. I know. It's sad. I saw the Aiden Hill contract where everyone's like, yeesh, that's a lot of money. And it's 
Two years for less than $10 million. Guy <laughs> won a Stanley Cup. <laughs> At the same time, if, you, if you're Vegas, you just won a Stanley Cup playing patty cake with your goalies and lucked into someone that got hot. Do it so again. Maybe, maybe learn that lesson instead of paying the guy. Exactly. Uh, one other piece of news that I think we have to hit is that uh, Fox is getting his Norris third place award. Hooray. He said he went to Italy, got engaged, and got back in the gym. That's my boy. All right, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I, have you ever – speaking of things I just don't care about right now, NHL awards season, don't care. Couldn't care less. I don't care at all. Congratulations to Hank for getting the Hall of Fame and the easiest Hall of Fame acceptance ever. Yeah. Like Congrats. Eric, I, I, the, fa- the false anger that will be on Twitter when Eric Carlson wins the Norris, I, I just – I'm not here for it. I, honestly, this is the first year again. It's it's a weird summer for Rangers Twitter. Maybe I'm not on it as much, and I'm not as deep in the the annals of <laughs> of Rangers Twitter, where I'm seeing all these arguments as I used to be. But there's not the Fox arguments. There's not the off season. Here's what we can do. There's not the this is the player we should be going for. There's very little. Like it's kind of just sit and wait right now. That's all uh, there is. Those stories are out there, but it's just so much easier to shoot them down this time. Where every time someone tries to do a Alex to bring it to the Ranger trade. Okay. With whose money? Yep. Like that's it. it. It's the Rangers are so up against the cap and have so many important pieces. They already need to sign anybody who is like, I think the Rangers should go after X. Like a couple people are like, do you have interest in Tyler Toffoli? And I was like, again, who's money? I it's it. There's no point. It, the exercise is futile. It's uh, it might, maybe it's important to say here or not. I, I have no idea. Uh, I don't think the Rangers had any links at all to Pierre-Luc Dubois. Zero. Zilch. None. The, the, the front office that loved Pierre-Luc Dubois is currently in Montreal. This is correct. He'll same, be a king or he'll be in Montreal. Same goes for Elias Lindholm because I saw that he wants out of Calgary and will probably leave Calgary. Oh, well, who doesn't want Calgary? <laughs> that was incredible. That, that, to me, was my favorite <laughs> hockey story in a while. I told it anybody who would listen, our friends that don't even like hockey, I was like, let me tell you this quick story about what happened to Calgary on a Thursday here. And I just, I went down, the, or Wednesday, and I went down the list where I was like, early in the morning, someone said their high-priced center doesn't want to be there anymore. That's fine. He's a free agent school. Then within an hour, they were talking about the defenseman they acquired with the center who has a year left on his contract, has already told them a year in advance, I'm not fucking signing, so do whatever you want. That's, you know, tough luck morning, hard to do. But then you get the 15-year veteran center who's been there his entire career, and he's like, fuck this place, have no interest in being here. Now you're like, ooh, that's interesting. And then right when you thought it was over, the free agent they just signed gave them the double birds and said he wants the fuck out of there too. And he's actually demanding the trade now. Cal- what happened in Calgary? Did finally everybody watch Cool Runnings and go, shit, that place looks cold. I don't want to be here anymore. I think Sutter uh, changed the culture where it became very, he's very gone. toxic. I he's know. Gone. It's too ba- It's too late. It's too late. Things, things could not be unsaid in the Calgary uh, war room. Could not be. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Uh, I, feel, I, I don't. I don't even know how to feel for them. I, I, I. But I also don't know where these players are going to go. Nobody has money. Nobody has flexibility. Have you seen the free agents? They're unbelievable. Well, bad. and that's why I think these players will find homes because the free agents are awful. I hope this is the one summer where people just don't sign Michael Bunting to a six by six and a half contract. Martinez was ranked on the Daily Faceoff number one free agent available. <laughs> What? He's it's, 35. It's so bad. It's so bad out there. What are we? I Again, we just had this conversation about getting interest in the NHL. Alec Martinez is going to get a no movement clause, by the way. 
Why? <laughs> Why? Because the list said he's number one, Ryan. He's got to get in the moving closet at number what one. What are we doing? Okay, let's uh, let's get to our dear friend Drew. We'll talk about the draft. We'll ask him what the Rangers are going to do, what he thinks about the top five, tiers, all that good stuff. We'll come back, answer like three or four questions for five stars, and then Greg will kill himself live on air. <laughs> 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 uh, we're laughing because it's true it's funny because it's true okay we'll be right back transition hey we're back with our first guest of the day we have uh eight year long guest our dear friend drew way who is our resident prospect expert and on for any time we're talking about hockey prospects drew how are you I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. How you doing? Good. Other we don't know. Greg. We all know how Greg's doing. We all know how Greg's doing. We don't know anything about the draft this year. This is probably the first time I've done, I want to say, less than 20 minutes of research on an NHL draft in the last couple of years because the Rangers are usually picking high or trying to get some draft assets. This year, I know nothing. Let's start with the obvious. Uh, Taylor Hall got traded for Connor, uh, to be on Connor Bedard's team, <clears throat> of course, first overall pick. Uh, Connor Bedard is in a tier of his own. I've heard and I've read Mitchkov is a, a, a very apt prospect, like in this almost in the same level or in the same level, but he's projected to go fourth. Can you explain that to me? Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. So I wouldn't say he's quite at the same level. Like coming into the year, like from a pure skill profile set, he, people thought he would be at the same level, but he didn't have like the best year in the world this year. Uh, the best year in the world um, this year, and. I mean, obviously, with everything going on in Russia, that kind of creates a, this weird dynamic with uh, that's kind of caused him to be like the clear fourth now, it seems, with a lot of people. Uh, to me, it's it's Bedard's number one. And then just on a pure, like, who are you taking next? It's a conversation between Fantilli and Carlson and Mitchkoff. Um, I, I Just from a pure skill perspective, I'd take Mitchkoff probably over Leo Carlson, but Leo Carlson also had an excellent year. But with Mitchkoff, it's, you know, his hockey sense is absolutely through the roof. And then he's, like, good at everything offensively. Like, he's got a great shot. He's a great passer, great puck handler. Um, the other, I guess, knock on him is, you know, he's, he's five ten and like 145 pounds sopping wet. Like he's a little dude, even though that picture he posted on, what was it? Instagram or whatever the other day made him seem like, look like he gained a bit of weight, but he, he's, you know, small and not like a good skater considering how small he is. And, and so that's kind of definitely a thing that would easily, you know, put Bedard over him. I, we started micro, but I want to go macro a little bit here, Drew, ever since, We've really been serious about this show, talking to you about prospects doing these draft previews. I've heard nothing but people drool over the 2022-2023 NHL draft class. So what exactly are we dealing with here in terms of sheer amount of talented prospects going to be available come Wednesday night? Yeah, so so that's the good question there, and it's and the reasons are usually like when people are drooling over a draft class, like they're focusing on the top. And in this draft, like obviously, like Bedard is a you know borderline generational prospect. Like I wouldn't quite put him there with McDavid, but certainly on the next tier with like your Eichels and Austin Matthews and guys like that in terms of the impact he could have and have it quickly. Uh, and then you have Fantilli, Carlson, and Mitchkoff, all from a skill perspective easily would be in the argument for number one in most of the drafts we've have had of late. So you like, you have four guys that are arguably 
number one draft picks in most drafts. So that drives a lot of that. But with this draft too, like the depth is pretty strong as well. Like it's not just one of those drafts where like you have a couple of elite guys at the top, then it completely falls off. Like you then have a tier like after those four. So, and like, again, Bedard tier of his own. Then you could put like Fantilli, Carlson, Mitch Koff on like the second tier. But then after that, you have like, 10 to 15 other guys, depending on how you rate things and your preferences that are all also like clear, clear, no brainer first round picks in any draft. And then you have another tier after that of another 10 guys or so that are also like, yeah, pretty much would be in the first round of most drafts. And like, I know I was noodling around like on the elite prospects the other day and, and some of the stuff that they do. And they do one of those things where they try to grade folks by like, is this a, in a vacuum, a first round player or second or whatever. And in most drafts you have like 15 to 20 guys with first round grades. And I think they had something like 25 or so players in this draft with the fir- with the first round grade, which is really, really high. So it's, you know, you got the elite talent up at the top, but you also have like a really big selection of very good players to choose from pretty much throughout round one. So what are the odds that the Rangers pick a guy that's not that first round talent? Oh, very high. Yeah, you I think we all <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean come on. We've been following this for how long? Like we all know that the Rangers are gonna go with some like toolsy physical floor checker guy instead of like the high upside talented guys that are there. Well, let, let, let's get into it. So this is a 22-player draft and the Rangers pick 23rd. Is that what I'm understanding for no, you? No, it's not. But I'm sure it's it's fun to run with that narrative. That's for sure. I, I would say, like, you could make the argument that there are 30 guys that are easily, like, first-round talents. And it's just a matter of are the Rangers going to choose one of those or not. What? How, what uh, sorry, Ryan. No, what, um, let, let, let's attack it this way before we get into individual players we think you think. No, there's no we here. Ryan and I know. Can't emphasize this enough. Anything about this year's draft. Uh, in your estimation, what level of importance would you put it for the Rangers needing to find a way to move up from 23? Or do you think 23 is kind of this nice little back-of-the-end bridge level where someone's going to fall to the Rangers? It's just a matter of who. Yeah, I mean, I'd say, it, you know, it depends. You can't really answer that until the draft's playing out. Like, if there's a guy that's, like, you know, in the 10 to 15 range in their board and in our minds that are, that's dropping, they're like, yeah, sure, go trade up and get him. But this isn't one of those drafts where it's like, all right, we're picking 23, but they're really only, like, 15 first-round guys. So and if you want to get one of them, you definitely need to trade up. Like, staying at 23, they absolutely will have multiple guys available to them that I think could excite most of us listening um, but obviously if, if like a elite elite guy starts dropping for whatever reason, then, then at that point, yeah, go ahead. And if there's a deal where you can package, like, cause the Rangers have so many fine prospects that'll be like bottom level NHLers and, but that's still valuable. And if there's a way you can package a couple of those with your pick and move up and get the guy you really want, that's falling, then by all means do it. You said you talk about those fine prospects and I think the Rangers, uh, their pool is sort of depleting at this point is not having the the draft capital that they usually or would like to get are going to really come back to haunt them in this sort of draft. Like, are we talking in the second and third rounds that there are legitimate gems here? Because we, you go back and look at some of the drafts from like even 2018, 2019. Really, there's only like four or five guys in the first round, and even after that, like two or three in the second and third. What kind of talent are we talking about as as we get later in the draft here? Yeah, I mean, I think not having the second round pick will certainly hurt. Um, 
But I, I mean, it's every draft is once you get out of, you know, the top 50 or so, pretty much a crapshoot. And then it comes down to, you know, how good is your scouting staff, especially your like international scouting staff looking at like the, the lesser leagues in like Finland and Sweden and Russia and stuff like that. Um, so, but, you know, it definitely this second round could be very, very good. And there's likely to be more than normal, I'd say, you know, second round picks that end up being true NHL players. And so not having that second round pick certainly will sting. We are the three of us, I would say, to a T, best player available boys. Mm-hmm. I, 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 especially 23rd specifically at that point, forget it. Don't draft for need. I don't care if it's even a left winger. Just take the best player available. But I did see you yesterday, Drew, making a point that there are enough good players on the board that it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if the Rangers targeted a specific type of prospect with the 23rd overall pick. Yeah, and and but that really stems from my methodology is big on tiers. Like, I don't think just having like a numbered list, like one through whatever, isn't really like the appropriate way to approach it. It's you have these tiers. And so the way I've always viewed it is never reach out of the top tier that's available to get a different position. But, you know, if the Rangers are up at 23, you got four guys on your top remaining tier are all there. That's where things like fit or position come into play for me. So when the Rangers do draft a left winger, are we going to be okay? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, because, I mean, if you want to get into players now, like there's this guy, Quinn Musty, who is a left winger that if the Rangers take him at 23, I'll be fucking thrilled. But can you tell? Well, first of all, the name is his name is Clint Musty. Quinton Musty. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. don't have to sell me on much more. Well, but is that what what kind of player is he that the Rangers might be targeting? Well, him? here's the best part. So not only is he like a high skill player, but he's also a very dreary kind of player. And by that, I mean like he's if, American. If well, he is. He's from the <laughs> Buffalo area. Um, but also, he is like a power forward who's gritty and physical on top of being highly skilled. Like if you're just ranking all the players in this draft class, just on their pure skill set, you can make the argument that he's a top 10 player, like uh, definitely top 15, I would argue. Um, and he's, you know, a true power forward type, you know, he's I think like six two, one ninety, and very strong. Um, he uses his body well when playing. So it's, he's not like, I think I know like you guys had Steve Dangle on the other day and or a couple of weeks ago and he loves joking about some of the guys in the Leafs where they're they're big for nothing because it's like hey you're big but you don't actually use it like no 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 he absolutely uses it uh, but then on top of that he's got great great hockey IQ he's a really good puck handler especially for someone his size he's got a good shot and he's very <sighs> I guess I'd say like sophisticated right in his game where it's, it's not just always taking the, and and I say this every year, like the guys that I like the most are guys like this, where they're not just taking the easy play. They're, they're kind of assessing the ice, you know, taking a look at everything and making the best play. And they're willing to be patient to allow the play to develop, to do that. And he absolutely does that. Uh, And despite the fact that like his puck handling and his shooting are, are definitely his probably standout traits aside from like his, his size and his physicality. uh, He's also a, a, more than capable passer and playmaker and his passing playmaking skills are good enough to translate to the NHL. Um, and in terms of his skating, he's fine. Like that, that's like, I guess the knock where like, he's not a standout skater. And I know that's going to make a lot of Ranger fans kind of roll their eyes in the back of the head. Cause the big problem we have with a lot of our higher end players is, is skating. But he, again, I'd be clear. It's not that he can't skate. It's just, he's, he's a fine skater. It's just, that's not like his, you know, what you 
turn to in terms of, you know, what, what's his standout trait. Um, and then, you know, the, the other knock on him, I guess, is, um, you know, and, and on the skating, I should say real quick, like his mechanics are, are fine. It, it's not like with a lot of times when you're looking at skaters, like you want to look at the mechanics because it's like, because if your mechanics are broken, it's pretty hard to really improve that without kind of redoing everything at this point. His mechanics are fine. So it's a matter of just like getting with a good skating coach and and working on developing a bit more like power out of his stride and being a little bit better on edges, things like that. Um, But aside from that, like, you know, his, he's a decent defense. uh, He's a pretty good defender, but he doesn't always like commit to defending. And there'll be games where he's kind of just like, eh, you know what? I'm good. But I would say you could say you know he plays in the OHL, and that's a very common among most players that come from the OHL. Um, and the other thing is like sometimes he's too confident in his passing, and like some people I've read think that uh, it's you know maybe just outthinking his teammates, and because of that, like that's leading to some of the issues you'll see. Um, and then uh, you know the last thing he's also a classic case of a guy that has been like over analyzed, right. Cause he came into the year really uh, as super high potential in the top 10 of a lot of like pre-draft boards. And then he started the year really slow. And so they had people drop a lot, but he finished phenomenally. He was incredible in the second half. Um, and in terms of where he would go, like uh, his rankings spread a decent amount. Like I've seen him anywhere between like 10 and 35 or so uh but the guy you look at if you want to get a decent understanding of where guys might go is bob mckenzie and bob mckenzie had him at like 24 or 25 now i'm gonna be super pissed if we don't get him <laughs> that's it <laughs> well i'll say this there's you know in kind of prepping a bit for this i just sort of compiled a quick list of like oh, if they're asking me for like ranger targets or stuff like yep here's some guys that i'd be perfectly happy taking and i think i have like seven or eight guys on the list that all could like potentially be there around 23 that i'd be very happy if they select it i want to hear that list but before i hear that list the list i really care about is who are the guys that are going to make you react like you did when the rangers took Braden schneider one thing on that can i say it like i took so much shit when Braden <laughs> schneider first like broke the nhl over haha you were wrong dumbass and like people throw in like uh ty smith at me and some this one guy loves tripping me about pavel dorofiev i'm like he's doing really well like i don't know what the fuck your issue is um, Prospects but, takes like six years, buddy. They yeah, take a long time. And I, but I do, I, do I think it's, I think it's time to walk some of that back. And maybe I was right in, in some of what I said about Schneider. Um, I mean, he's good. Like, listen, I'm glad he's on the team and stuff, but he's, he's not the player that everyone was like, you know, clamoring. He definitely was and doing victory laps on me like this time last year. Um, but yeah, that said, like, I mean, it's a good question. And there are like a handful of them, like, one that stands out to me that like I, I'm definitely fearful that they would take uh, in that range is Charlie Strammel. Um, so like Charlie Strammel is a guy. He's he's a center and he's big. He's six three, two fifteen. He plays in Wisconsin, I think. Um, and, and he's someone that's like been all over the place. Where he came into the year with like a ton of promise and was largely considered you know a potential lottery pick, and then wasn't great this year um and but again he was at wisconsin um and, and it was like a tough situation to be in with that team and the different players they have but he didn't do well this year and like his big calling card was defense and like his motor and but like his offense and his transitional skills weren't good at all um and like if you're rating like his skill profile like then his number one skill is probably his physicality and his size and whereas puck handling and you know shooting and stuff like that is all fine and he's not a great skater and but you know he's Charlie Strammel, like good old American boy just played at Wisconsin. And that's the one where I'm like, 
like I can see like if John Davidson was still in the room, like this would be the guy that John Davidson's like, I can't believe this guy's dropping. We got to trade up to get him. That is a John Davidson moment. I feel like anytime I see the word professionalism attached to a prospect, that's just plastering. This guy sucks right on his forehead to me. Yeah, especially, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, physicality is another one where it's always great if you get a guy who's physical, but, like, that shouldn't be the first thing you're necessarily talking about him uh, in terms of, like, if you're listing their skills, what's their best thing? Like, you don't want physicality to be the, their standout trait. Um, I mean, he, He's the one that I'm afraid of in terms of, like, he just screams, like, I'm a prototypical New York Rangers-type draft pick that, in my opinion, like, you know, he's fine to take in like the middle of the second round, but oh my God, if they took him at 23, I'm going to be so upset. Drew, I actually want to get your opinion on this. I don't even know if you have an opinion on this, but I think Drury has really shaken up the the scouting staff of the Rangers. I'm not as familiar with it. Maybe you are, and I'm not sure, but have you followed like the way they've obviously fired a lot of their old staff Yeah, and, and now they're moving forward with a more new light? Have you... Uh, do you have any thoughts on that in general? Yeah, I mean, Bobrov was the one that was like really highly thought of that he let go. You know, Bobrov led a lot of their um, their European scouting, and did he is he in Columbus now? I think. No, yeah, but, he's in Columbus. I thought yeah. he was in Montreal. Oh well, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it's Montreal, and so it's right. So like, Gorton immediately was like, "Oh, I'll take him back." Yeah, and they made a big deal about him being there because they have a meeting with Mitchkov today, and they were like, yeah. "Well, it's all Bobrov. It's, it's yeah. him. Is that a thing?" But you know, I mean, like, and Bobrov, like, you know, there were a couple, you know, we think of, oh, they, they whiffed on like Leas Anderson and Kratzoff, but, you know, some of those, you know, you, you can nitpick at the time they were selected, but I, I don't know if Bobrov is to blame for developmental issues. And you can get into the whole, is it, was it improper development? Was the wrong pick? Stuff like that. But largely speaking, Bobrov was someone who really was highly thought of and did well for the Rangers. And, and so he was probably the one that I was most surprised that they let go. I did, the guys they went and hired, like there weren't a lot of enough of a track record to point to and be like, oh, this is his style or this is the thing he values or anything like that. So it's hard to really give a, any other take on them unless like you actually know them. I don't know. Yeah, uh, let's, let's, yeah I don't I, I know a lot of the staff, but uh, scouting, I'm like, I've again, this year is like one of the first times I'm not really paying attention as much. Can you? Give us the like. Give us like the five, like like a one or two sentence description of the of the of the players after you have or the players you're going to target for the Ranger list, rather. Yeah, I like that. Uh, you casually like, all right, you don't fucking ramble on about the rest of this list the way you did Quentin Musty earlier. Look, um, I'm all sold on. I'm getting the jersey. I don't know what you want. <laughs> no, no, I got you. Um, so there's sort of two groups. It's like these are like the prototypical Drury Rangers type guys that I'd actually be fine with taking at 23. And then these are like that, you know, swing for the fences or strikeout kind of guys. Um, and so in terms of like the Drury kind of guys, um, you, you first have uh, this player called uh, his name's Grayson Sochin. And he's like a center right winger that plays for Seattle in the WHL. And he's one where... When you look at the stats, they don't look at it that impressive, but you have to consider he played for the Seattle Thunderbirds, who are an absolutely loaded team this year. They won the WHL. Their team consists of guys that are older than him that consists of Brad Lambert, Reed Schaefer, Dylan Gunter, Kevin Korchinski. And I think at least three of those were first-round picks, and I think they have seven or eight total um, NHL draft picks on that team. And so he often was playing like in the middle six role and on the second power play. 
So his his like statistics aren't what you'd hope to be for someone coming out of the WHL, but just in terms of like his raw skill profile, like he's a fantastic puck handler, high end hockey sense, uh, good passer. He's pretty physical, good forechecker, and he's really good away from the puck as well. He's not one of those like uh, you know CHL players that needs to have the puck in the hands his hands or he's not doing anything. And then he's a he's a fine skater and has a decent shot. Um, uh, another name. Uh, to consider you know in this group of like hey this is a a rangers stereotypical pick that i wouldn't mind at 23 is samuel hanzik uh he's a center uh playing for vancouver in the whl um and he's tall but he's not like big he's 6-4 and like 180 185 um and has a late uh, an early birthday it's like he's born in november so he's pretty old for his class um most have him in like the 16 to 25 range i think bob mckenzie had him at 17 um, but you know, he's a very well-rounded player, physical, and has a great shot, like a really quick, deceptive release. Um, and he, he likes getting his shot from in close too. Like he's a good enough skater and, and stick handler where he's not just like settling for an outside shot, but like his shot's good enough where he can beat NHL goalies from the outside, but he works to get inside. Um, but you know, his cons, he's not particularly dynamic. Um, he's not great in transition, stuff like that. Um, but, but he's kind of like you're well-rounded. He's a center. Uh, he's big, you know, he's tall at least, and he's got a frame where he should be able to get, you know, bigger and more physical. So he's someone that I, I could see the Rangers liking. That would be fine to take at 23. Uh, and then the other like really Rangers draft pick that, you know, might be there at, at 23 is Gavin Brindley. And this is someone that like, I'm like borderline. I, I think I'd put on my list borderline of when Greg asked me like, Hey, who's someone who you don't want to see? Like Gavin Brindley, I you know probably have ranked towards like the end of the first round. So like I'm not gonna freak out if the Rangers took him at 23. But again, he's you know I, I saw someone I think maybe it was Elite Prospects or something described him as a Wolverine, and it's like you Hell know yeah. you know if Drury <laughs> reads that he's like this is my guy. But like if you're looking down his traits, like the things that people are gonna mention first on him, it's you know high motor, you know just completely unrelentless forechecker and fantastic defensively. Um, you know, he's a right, I should have started, he's a right winger, played for the University of Michigan. Um, and he was, had great, great production. It was, I think, like top 10 best, you know, NCAA draft eligible seasons of anyone. Um, but he's 5'9", 160. And so, like, he's pretty small for someone who's, like, relies on, like, his tenaciousness and, and being good defensively and stuff like that. So there are questions on how much will that translate to the NHL. Um so, so those are like the, yeah, these are very Ranger guys to pick that are probably be in that range around 23 that, you know, if the Rangers take them, we shouldn't be mad, but it's certainly not like the upside swing that, that some might be hoping for. Um, in terms of the upside swings, it's, you got this kid, Andrew Cristal, who's a left, left winger. So again, that'll piss people off. Yes, it will. And, and but he, he's someone where it's like, he's so hot and cold. Like if you catch him on one night, you're like, Oh my God, this should be a top 10, maybe top five player. And if you catch him on another night, you're like, what? you're telling me this guy's an NHL prospect. Um, but he's, when he's on, like he is an incredible passer playmaker. Um, and he's got a decent shot. He's a heat check guy. Yeah. He's definitely a heat check guy. Um, another name for people to, to 
to be, uh, consider um, that again is in this like upside swing is Braid, uh, Braden Yeager. Yeah, he's a center, so people like that. He plays for Moose Jaw in the WHL. It plays for Moose Jaw and they call him the Jaegermeister. Again, <laughs> yeah. it's so easy to sell Mike. Yeah. And he's a... Every, every, everything you say, well, he plays in the WHL. Does anybody not play in the WHL? Yeah, that's the thing. This is a crazy WHL class, I'll say that. But like Jaeger is like, uh, you know, he is. I think he's like six foot or so, 165. So he's thin, but like decent size. Elite, elite shooter. Good skater, good hockey sense, and good stick handling. Like all the offensive traits are there. Uh, his passing's fine. Um, he's not really all that physical. Decent motor. Uh, he's willing to defend, but he sucks at it. Like when you watch him play, it's not like one of those guys who's like, oh, he just doesn't care about defense. Like he is trying, but he's not good at all um and the other big thing was like he was the, you know a top 10 player coming into this year and didn't necessarily improve a lot and sometimes guys will unnecessarily drop because they didn't show like the improvement people were hoping for like Braden Yeager would be definitely be you know a, a, a elite shooting center um and a, another guy uh is uh hockey stat miner joked about this guy um uh in a tweet when Greg said that I'd be on it's uh Daniil Butt so again, going with nah, yeah, dude, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah so he, so he's oh, a right he's Drew. He's cheeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Well, he's a right winger. Uh, well, he's a winger. He's he's played right and left, but I think he he's primarily a right winger. Uh, and he's six five, two hundred. So he he's a big boy. That's a um, Ranger player, baby. He's yeah, booty. yeah. And, and when you're looking at like his skill set, he's up. He, he's incredibly raw. So like mm. definitely a couple, you know, three plus Eat years. Baby away. powder. Yeah, three plus, sure. years, Jesus <laughs> three plus years away from making the team. But like offensively, does everything well. Good, yeah, really good shot, really good passer, really good handler. Um, super smart, pretty physical. Uh, but skating is, is the knock on him. But it, it's not again, not a bad skater. It's just fine. Um, the biggest swing is this guy Edward Chalet. He's a a Swedish, he's a, he's a Swedish winger who he, he's another one where if you're looking at just like the raw skill, he's, you know, top 10 on, uh, you know, in this draft class, probably just in terms of his skills that he has. Uh, but the problem is, I think I said, did I say he's Swedish? I don't think he's Swedish. I just keep it to me. Listen, the fact that you're trying to talk about anybody after bringing up a guy named Daniil Butt, it's <laughs> yeah. not going to work. Yeah. It's yeah. not Ed, working anymore. Edward Charlotte, he, he's Czech. My bad. Um, yeah, but same thing. He, he is a great skater, great shot, very good passing, phenomenal puck handler. Uh, but when you watch him sometimes, and, like, and I don't say this lightly because I think largely um, people really – are wrong when like oh this guy is doesn't try you know he's not trying or doesn't care like usually that's bullshit um he le legitimately sometimes looks like do you even like hockey dude like um the ben simmons effect yeah we're uh, great for simmons yeah that or uh who's the center on the bucks who just kind of like retired to be a stoner oh john, like, nah. john henson no no um larry bobby portis no larry bobby larry... portis is a good player I don't think it's i'm blanking sure? no but the guy i'm thinking of is a good player better than bobby portis uh, and like a good fantasy basketball player. And he just like retired. He's like, nah, I never liked basketball. I was just tall. And like, you know what? I've made enough money. I'm good. Wow. Good for him, man. Um, but like some people kind of joke like that's the type Larry of Larry Sanders. This... Larry Sanders. That's it. Larry Sanders. Really? Um, yeah. Edward Shally, all the skill in the world. But like, and again, I don't say this lightly. Legitimately, sometimes when you watch him, you're like, dude, do you care? Like at all. Um, <laughs> and I can't see the Rangers taking him, but he, he's like the ultimate. Like, you're, you're, they're going to hit a home run, and we're going to look back, and it's like this dude was a top 10 player in this draft class, or he's not breaking the NHL. 
I mean, we're, we're firmly Daniil Butt Boys. I don't think there's uh, any yeah, question this, about this it. Is a, this is no butts about it podcast. Um, <laughs> so I got one more. One more. Oh, and this okay, is probably one. my favorite guy of this list in terms of like, I, I could see the Rangers going for him and he's really good. And he's is a it center. Is brother, Sergey Butt? No, that's, <laughs> it's uh, Riley Height. Um, so, it's and all. It's, and, and what sold me on him was <laughs> the, I read, again, I think it was Elite Prospects. They, they do this thing where, like, oh, this player is, like, this is his comp. And their comp was that he was an angry Nick Schmaltz. And it just, like, made me laugh. Like, all their player comps are just, like, this player, this player. And for him, it's, like, he's an this angry is, Nick Schmaltz. Is he at least tall? Um, so he's 5'11", 180. So he's not mm. tall, but, but he's, he's really that, that That's 6'1 on the apps, buddy. He's, he's not getting a date. Yeah, no but no, he's, he, he's good. He's He's a really, really good passer, good puck handler, super smart, <laughs> decent skater, good shot. Like offensively, again, has all the tools you're looking for. And, you know, on the angry side, like he, you know, he, I, I wouldn't say like he's the most physical in terms of it's not like he's like laying these huge hits or anything like that. But he he does, um, you know, co- he's constantly moving high motor, uh, good in the forecheck, always kind of trying to scrum it up. Um, definitely a bit of a nasty player, too. Like he's that kind of guy who... If you're looking for, like, I heard Elliot Friedman or something talking about how, like, hey, teams are going to be reaching, looking for, like, the next, like, Matthew Kachuk kind of player. And Riley Height would fall into that in terms of, like, a skilled guy that also can just be, like, mean as shit. I like it. We're going to be looking for the next Matthew Kachuk. So do you have a top five pick in the draft? That's how you get <laughs> Right, exactly. That, that kind of, I, I was laughing at the same thing, too, because I'm like, Matthew Kachuk, was it, was, didn't he go, like, fourth or fifth in the yeah, draft? Like, well, they uncovered a gem here at fourth overall. Uh yeah, yeah, Drew, um, I guess the last one for me, it, it, it's a perspective question um, because I do want to get your opinions on Othman before we get out of here. But we're talking about the Rangers drafting future legend Daniel Butt at number 23. I think this week, the weeks leading up to the weeks immediately after, fans start immediately fantasy booking these players into lineups on lines, which teammate they'd be better suited with, who should be playing with who. And I think every now and then we just need perspective that whoever the Rangers take at 23, we're not seeing for three years, probably minimum. Yeah. That, and that's, the, and that's why BPA is so important too. And like, I know that like the big reason why people are like, no, we can't take a left winger. We have Panarin and Kreider and Lafreniere. And it's like, dude, in, in three fucking years, like so much can happen. Like we could have another worldwide pandemic. One of these guys could get hit by a fucking bus or they could get injured by the fact that they're playing a collision sport that unlike football plays three times a week, sometimes more, you know, and the thing starts loosening up a little bit in the NHL. It seems like with player movement and guys finally being more open to like, Hey, you know what? I want out of here and the caps rising. So like, I don't think it's like, Oh, just cause of Kreider's contract, he's unmovable. Like if, if the Rangers drafted some left winger that was absolutely crushing it and they needed to move Kreider in three years, like I could see a team like Vegas being like, yeah, you know what? We need a, someone, uh, you know, to stand in front of the net and tips puck, pucks in, sure, we'll take them off your hands. Like, it's, it's the point is, so much shit can happen in the next three years that it's ridiculous to look at the NHL roster and use that to try to determine where, what position you should be targeting in the late first round. Uh, my final question here, Drew, is not about this draft, but about Brennan Othman. I've seen uh, some projections that say he's not even an NHLer these mm. days. Yeah, you're so all these about things, the, the Patrick Bacon's of the world, or whatever. I might have, yeah. I may or may not be referencing that. Um, it, it, where are you on uh, this day and age with Brennan Othman? Yeah, he's a good player. I mean, he last year was a weird year because he he legitimately wasn't that good early in the year, and like I, I spoke to people, 
you know, connected with not so much directly him, but like that league. And they're like, yeah, he's not trying. Like he, he's mailing it in this year. He's, he's pissed that he didn't make the NHL and his goal this year is don't get hurt and play in the NHL next year. Um, but after he got traded, he did much better. And, you know, all his skills and his tenacity and stuff is still there. And I'd expect him to compete for a spot in for the roster next year. I am of the opinion he should spend six weeks in Hartford just because last year was such a waste for him. Is yes. that an incorrect opinion? No, no, I think that's fine. I mean, I, I would see, you know, how does he do? Like, if training camp comes and he just fucking blows the doors off the hinges, then, like, yeah, sure. Give him a shot, at, 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 you know, uh, in New York to start. And if he doesn't do great, then you should have no issue, though, sending him down to Hartford. Drew, can't thank you enough for literally pulling up, putting up with us. Oh, hey, um, hold on. I got one one thing for you. I, so I know you're a big Bill Simmons fan, and so I, I did have a little bit of We a just par- are. I, I know I have a little bit of a parent corner to make everyone laugh if you have two minutes to, I, I do. to oblige me here. So, And I would really like to know how Greg in particular would handle this. But Oh, boy. So, so uh, for those well. who don't know, like my son Declan is five now, and then my daughter Finley is eight months. And this was back around December, so around Christmas time, giving Finley a bath, and, and Declan just got out. And he's sitting there looking at her, looking at me, and I see the gears turning, and he's like, Daddy? I'm like, yes. He's like, when's Finley going to grow her penis? Oh. And, and I was like, uh, I'm like, what should I say? So I just said, well, well you know, Declan, it's, she, she's not going to grow one. Like, that's not how it works. And then he asked me, he's like, well... But some mommies have penises, right? Oh, boy. And I'm like, oh, I'm not touching this one with a 10-foot pole. You know, maybe when you're older, we'll deal with this. And, and so my solution was to ask him in return, you know, hey, Declan, you know, why are you asking this? What happened? It's like, oh, because uh, we're talking about, you know, what we want from Santa in school. And Joseph said mommy, his mommy says she wants a bigger penis for Christmas. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Dude, what? How do I respond to this situation? Drew, I asked for that mom's number. That's what I do. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just going to – I'll leave that there. I just had a good laugh. I, I got to be honest. That plane was a shaky plane ride, but when it landed, <laughs> yeah. it was good. Yeah, yeah, because there's multiple avenues, right? Where it's like, oh, how inappropriate is Drew going to get here? And, and I'm no. like, nope, I'm, you know, you, I'm all for whatever you want. Just five-year-old. I don't necessarily need to be explaining you, the machinations of so yep. I'm just like, uh-huh. so, your, your son landed that plane joke he yep. didn't know but he crushed it, it, it i was dying laughing i, oh, I couldn't believe it boy. you're told it in the right place buddy uh thank you <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining uh and putting up with our literal garbage and informing us and then we will see you sometime or soon on the playback on wednesday yeah so. we'll see you friday buddy you get excited you're going to be telling you the world about saying wednesday. friday it's wednesday, it's wednesday. yeah it's well wednesday. listen i don't I, i'm in between jobs right now i don't start again until july 5th every day is friday baby it's wonderful Wonderful. Uh, Drew, we'll talk to you soon. Later, All right. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, we're back. Thanks to Drew for giving us all that wonderful draft information. Or shitty information. We don't know. We haven't done it yet. We have done the interview, but it's the magic of podcasting. If you want to leave a five-star question, you can sign up for our Patreon, which people are still signing up in the summer. Thank you, loyal listeners and supporters. And we will read them on the show. This is from Gump116. With the draft and free agency approaching and taking age, injuries, and contracts, etc. into account, how would you rank the Rangers players, prospects, picks, and as assets? Imagine, oh, Gump, I don't know. Imagine no movement clauses were waived for a day (laughs) for purpose of rankings. Fox or Chessy at number one, Truba, Goodrow, and even just Panarin have negative value. Panarin I, does not have negative value. I think, uh, that, I think this is more fun to do with not waiving salary cap and no movement clauses. Because, like, Adam Fox, greatest defenseman in the world, but there are only so many teams that can afford his contract. Whereas Keandre Miller, if you were to trade him, 
not only are you trading at the peak of his value, the next team that acquires him gets to set their own price. So Keandre Miller technically is a more valuable trade asset than Adam Fox. It's weird because I think in others, you're never getting the value back for Fox you'd want. Never. You, it's, doesn't, it's, it's an Otani trade. You're never going to. It's a Juan Soto trade. The Nationals got so many things for Juan Soto, and it still didn't equal Juan Soto. It doesn't matter what it is. So, yes, Fox is the number one overall value. I, I still have my head of Igor because the goalies just aren't. They're not valued the same but way. But I don't. I really. If you were to try to trade Adam Fox today, I don't think that, like. You will get closer to 100% value on Keandre Miller than you will Adam Fox, which to me a, makes Keandre Miller a more valuable trade asset. I think you can get 150% on, on yes. Keandre Miller. Yeah, so to me, that's the exercise. Where like, Whereas Lafreniere, you're taking negative value. Negative value. And even Kako, you're probably not getting 100% value. You the are guys not. are getting 100% value in trade on the Rangers are Keandre... Ryan Lindgren because he's only making three million and he I think just... you I think you can get hundred percent value on Brady Schneider. I think you could do it. Yeah, but I mean that's like trading in the in in the franc as opposed to the dollar. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, Igor, you can still get hundred percent value on. I, Igor's probably the number one guy because he's only making what six. Yeah, for t- two more years. I say Igor, Keandre, Lindgren are actually your top three trade value assets. Oh, God, we're going to spend so much time talking about that lingering contract next year. Going to throw up right now. Think about it. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is from Jets Rangers one. Getting rid of Goodrow for the sake of cap space makes little sense unless it's being used to bring back a top six right wing. With the cap space currently so limited for so many teams, but then jumping big time in 2024, do you think Vladdy might come back on a one year five million type deal? Otherwise, I keep Goodrow. He's not the problem. Someone's paying Vlad, and it ain't going to be the New York. Have Rangers. you uh, go back and listen to the first part of this episode where we say? Alec Martinez is the number one free agent available for sub-teams. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko is the number one available free agent, and someone team will give him five to six years. I was going to say, what are the odds of him signing for less than four? Because I have it at about 2%. Yeah, I think it's that's correct. It doesn't matter that his shoulder was screwed. He's clearly played himself back into some sort of shape. He's still a great NHL player. He's not. He's not the player he used to be, but some team will convince themselves to give him five-plus years. He's still... One thing that other sports do well, I think, in this day and age, is name recognition doesn't mean much anymore. But in the National Hockey League, when I say he's still Vlad Tarasenko... It means a lot. That means something to an NHL GM who's dying to give him a stupid contract. Kane, it meant a lot just that his name was Kane to Gerard Gallant. I mean, listen to how the trade to New York was covered. They're getting a legend! They're getting a star! If the Mets, When the Mets traded and signed Adrian Gonzalez, it was not covered that way. It was not. Uh, this is from e- Eush22. Are you guys caustically, uh, cautiously sorry, optimistic about how Laviolette will handle the kids after the presser, or has the liar Gerard Gallant created a level of cynicism that can't be overcome until we actually see a commitment of giving them top six roles in power play minutes? I, I will say this. Laviolette didn't guarantee that time. He said if it's earned, they'll get it. Yeah. Now, now they have to earn it. Right. I'm more optimistic about putting the – coaches in place around Laviolette that seem to be able to work and unleash something within young players than I am. Laviolette could have came up, said, I guarantee Capococco will be playing in my top six. And it still would mean nothing to me because if he has one preseason game, he's down to the third line. It just doesn't mean shit until these guys take the ice to me. Yep. Uh, this is from Toaster Daddy. Regardless of his tenure, success or lack thereof in Washington, having Laviolette as a coach now as someone who's worked with Ovi, does that at least give you hope for Mika's one time or, or a one time or power? No, because Mika's already got that. 
It doesn't like Ovi. It doesn't matter who the coach Ovechkin is. Yeah. No, I could have coached Ovechkin. He would have been just fine on the power play. Hey, 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 Big Eight over. Get over there. <laughs> Take that shot. Yeah. What do you want to do on the power play, Ovi? Oh, you want to do that? Great. Sounds good. See you later. Go, yes. Go score twenty five. Sounds good. I'm going to tell the other guys to play around you. What do you think? Sound yeah, good? I guess from the mindset of Laviolette will not be afraid to deploy Mika in that way. At the same time. Saying, well, like Laviolette is not responsible for Ovechkin's unleashing from that. Ovechkin's been doing that since 2003. Um, and I know Laviolette's been in the league that long, but he has been coaching him that entire time. So there, to me, Ovechkin is a guy you don't touch. I think Zibanejad is a guy you should touch from time to time when it's not working. And so I hope he doesn't treat him similarly to how he treated Ovechkin. Ovechkin is just slump proof. The, the guy's, he's a robot. He's fucking. He's just blood, sweat, and vodka, man. I don't know what to say. He is goaded because he's that fucking guy. You don't have to coach him. You don't have to coach Sidney Crosby. These are trans transcendent stars in the hockey league. So I no, I what he did, he didn't do anything with OB. no he, gods. He gods from worked. day one, both those players. Yeah. So no, I you got to coach Mika. You don't have to coach Ovechkin. So I'm curious to see what he does. This is from Brian Doherty. Is Tyler Bertuzzi? An interest or an option for the team? They have no money. Yeah, and again, I hate, Bertuzzi I hate, I hate answering that question that way, but it's true. Yeah, and Bertuzzi's a guy that's going to get a five-year deal. It's I, the, guys, we we gave one to Vinny Trocheck last year for seven. You're telling me Tyler Bertuzzi's going to look at that contract and go, you know what? Actually, give me less. This is kind of where I'm going out with Brettley too, because Brett, I, I, this question is about Elias Lindholm, and if since he's not going to resign in Calgary, do you see it as a potential future addition? No. Like we, no, they can't. They also, can't. the Rangers have three centers. Why would I want to bring in Lindholm? Right. They they have to trade Heedle or Vinny, and they can't do that. And well, they I'm sure they would like to trade Vinny, but for what? You're not getting anything. They would love to move Vinny for Lindholm. There's no, what what percentage chance would you give the Rangers being able to not eat contract on Lin, on Vinny? Oh God. Uh, and if that happens, how are you even moving him? Five percent. Five. Yeah, I, I, I think other teams still value Vincent Trocheck, but I do think it's a negative value now contract. I don't it's, think it's just too long. It's too long. And then even if you're the Rangers and you're willing to eat that contract, you're going to eat one of your three retained contract slots for six years. Yeah, and and you'd have to trade him to a team like Arizona, where you know what Vincent Trocheck's going to say about his no movement clause. Yeah, like, no fucking way. No way, dude. Yeah, you made your bed with Vinny Trocheck. Everyone acting like the Rangers can just move off him, and I. Act similarly to Jacob Truba when people do this and Barkley Goodrow when people do this. It is you, not an easy move. You made your bed. This is it. You, you just it, have to sleep in it for It's why a Greg bit. and I were having a conniption when they signed Vincent Trocek. It was not because... We loved the player and hated the fucking contract. If Vincent Trocek's deal was two years, we would have been doing cartwheels. We're like, this is perfect. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, seven years is a long time. Yeah, yeah. Seven years is a long time. Listen, it'll ease up when the con- when the salary cap goes up eventually, but... How many years do you need to be fed the lie that the salary cap's going to make this big ass jump, and it just doesn't make the jump? Yeah, what if the salary cap only jumps like two to three million next year? I don't know. What if it doesn't jump at all? It's the fucking hockey league. They make yeah. up everything they do. Why is there a hard cap? That's my question. Pay these guys. Just pay them. I'm begging you to pay one player. Like Adam Fox makes less than David Robertson. 
I look. It's I. I, I don't know what to say. Uh, speaking of David Robertson, I oh, will get to that in a minute. This is from Panarin on Android. Yeah. Why did a bunch of people end up arguing about Matt Ryan in the insiders chat on a lovely Sunday afternoon? Because someone came at me about the Mets, and that's what happens. Well, that's from next question from Brian. Uh, Greg, why do we do this to ourselves? Hashtag be Mets fans. Oh God. Because heroin might kill you. <laughs> Mets might do it too. Yeah, but heroin, I think, is a higher percentage chance. I don't know that game. My question, the question that I thought about leading the show with, but I've mellowed since the game yesterday. It's been almost 24 hours at this point. I just think something's changed with sports fandom, and I'm curious to get your take. Okay. I think people are less willing to be angry at players in 2023. I think I think everything immediately goes to management oh, and the coach. No, I, I love this. This is good. Because, Do you disagree? No, no. I'm right there with you, and I don't think we talk about this enough. I think this is our first uh, – the reason I love this is because I think this is our first true old guy take. We, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we've been doing this podcast for a long time, yeah. but this is the first time we're going to go truly old man. Well, I remember – so the example I had in my head is I remember thinking back to how this season ended. And don't get me wrong. We had gripes with Gerard Gallant, and we wanted him fired. But we were quick to point fingers at Mika Zibanejad sucking. Adam Fox played a terrible two games. Uh, guys, Adam Fox literally cost the Rangers that last game seven. Yeah. Zibane, like I went on a podcast and said my opinion of Mika Zibanejad has permanently changed because of how he played in these playoffs. And we went down the list. We, we were angry at the players. But I just remember a lot of people being angry at Gallant and saying it's all Gallant's fault. It's all Drury's fault. It's all how this team was constructed. And at some point... We stopped being angry at players, and I don't know if it's because we've built more personable relationships with players where there's a generation of fans now that aren't really fans of teams, but they're fans of players, so they're willing to forgive the action or inaction of a simple player. Do I wish Buck Showalter managed that eighth inning differently yesterday? Absolutely. You also know what I want? For the Mets to fucking pitch! <laughs> what are these guys doing? They're fucking I, terrible. The players are fucking terrible. Robertson could have come into that game, bases loaded, nobody fucking out. The Mets still could have lost because the fucking pitching sucks. It's, yeah. it's just like, what, firing Buck. You fire Buck. Great. Wonderful. What the fuck? What are you now doing? What? You now think what? Buck's, you think Buck's going out there to pitch? You think Eric Chavez is all of a sudden going to turn this team around and they're going to play 700 baseball and make the playoffs? You think if here's the thing, everyone's like, well, when David Stearns comes in, they're getting rid of Billy Epler. You want to know who the best fucking man at David Stearns' wedding was? Billy Epler. Yeah, you want to know why Billy Epler's here to get David Stearns? Like, I just, I and even, I get it. The Mets, they have no fucking relievers. They lost Edwin Diaz in spring training, and they never replaced him. That's fine. That's impossible to do. Bullpens are the most fickle creatures known to man. You think the the Reds knew that Luke Jibot was going to be fucking great before the season started? <laughs> That's a made I I follow baseball very closely. That's a made up player. <laughs> <laughs> but my point nothing so, nothing in humankind is more fickle than a baseball bullpen. Not a thing on earth. The, the month to month and even more year to year. Game the to best, game. The game best to game. The best relievers are different. You could be an elite starting pitcher for 10 years. Ten years, and then one day it could change very quickly when you sign with the Mets. But there are, <laughs> fuck, fuck you. There are seven relievers in baseball that are immune to whatever the fuck happens to relievers, and it just so happens Edwin Diaz is one of them. But like, perfect example: the most successful teams in baseball year in year out, the Rays and the Dodgers. They just take dudes, teach them hard sliders, and throw them in the bullpen. You think people knew Colin Pache was going to be great? No, dude. And only one Rays reliever has left the Rays and stayed good. 
and that's Alvarado. But Aaron, uh, Aaron Loop left the race, had one great rear at the Mets, and he sucked ever since then. Yep. Yeah, but it's very hard for them to keep that that traditional whatever the Rays do. They just, like, they let the relievers go. Other teams are like, we should sign this guy. And then they're never the same outside of Alvarado. I mean, just look at look at the fucking Dodgers. You, have you had any thoughts about Phil Bickford this year? No, I have zero thought. I've never thought about <laughs> Phil Bickford. <laughs> the Dodgers do this every year. The, the Mariners do this every fucking year. Some teams are really good at identifying pitchers who do one thing really well, ask them to do it at max effort for two years, and then move the fuck on from him. I Eric Swanson sucks in Toronto. He ain't that guy anymore. It's because the Mariners were like, we're just going to give him to you, and you give us Teoscar Hernandez, we'll see what the fuck happens here. Like, bullpens are fickle. So I'm not angry at Billy for hoping that one of Jeff Brigham, one of Dominic Leone, one of Josh Walker, one of Grant Hartwig, one of these guys just needed to be not ass cheeks. One of them. And yesterday, three of them were ass cheeks. That's it. It's the odds are... I. I'll be honest, there's a lot of Philadelphia uh, baseball be played in my house these days. And I I turned the game off when they were down. I was just like, all right, you know what? Look, good for the Mets. Ryan, Even, hold fucking, on, hold on. Hold on. My fucking face was on playback for when that shit that happened sucks. yesterday. <laughs> that sucks. Our friend Joe Sansone and I, literally, we were upset. We broke. Uh, when Brigham hit the second guy, I cackled. I fucking laughed my uh, ass off uh, just just so you know i was uh I, again i watch a lot of phillies these days diana diana has begun to be just watch a shit ton of baseball mm-hmm. and uh john kirk who's in the in the booth for the phillies crook he, crook sorry um crook just goes you know what the phillies just can't fucking beat the mets <laughs> he was like i don't know what it is and they started naming the record and all this stuff and i was like you know what they're right like the mets do own the phillies yeah. and i i did left see, i left the his- house did you see the list of events that happened in order for the Phillies to score those four runs in the I eighth did. inning yesterday? I did. Error, walk, walk, hit by pitch, hit by pitch. Nobody got a hit. JT no. Real Moon is the only motherfucker that got a hit. They did nothing. They did nothing. I just, I just, I, you fired Buck, that's fine. I just, every Met fan immediately after the game was over, it's like, I told you, I told you Buck Showalter was a problem. I told you this guy couldn't manage a bullpen, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, is it impossible for fans in this day and age to just ask major league pitchers to not fucking suck. Like, I, that's it. How, how I, deep do you want to get on this? Because I do think deep, there's like... Because I do, I do like, to connect it back to the Rangers. I think you and I were the only two people being like, what? And Fitz, give Fitz, Fitz credit to <laughs> But we were the only three people saying shit like, Mika Zibanejad, shit the fucking bed. I get it. The Rangers needed to make a coaching adjustment. Absolutely, they didn't adjust at all. At the same time, the players sucked. And that's why they lost games five and seven. The players, except the play- for Igor, sucked ass. Guys, they sucked so bad that Artemi Panarin shaved his head, and he's continuing to shave it. He it's- said he has evil demons inside <laughs> of him that he has to get out of me. <laughs> There's no other way. This is definitely a, uh, I'm going to go so philosophical now. There is definitely this divide, obviously, because of the social classes in America and all across the world and the, the distribution of wealth, where it's we relate a lot to the players as workers, where it's like we're protecting the working class. And I do hate one of the things I really hate about sports fans is when they, they say that player's making too much money. Guys, the owners are making too much money. Yeah, it is the not owners, the, pl- the owners have too much money to begin with. But that's, this is why we go back to protect the players. We view them as like they're the same class as us. Like they're just like us. They're working guys. They're working for that. Sometimes, no matter what field you're in, even though we protect all these people, no matter where you are, you have to perform to keep your job. Yeah. You have to do the job. It and it's a harsh reality where if you don't do the job, sometimes 
you're going to be let go or not relied on as much and your, your career won't grow or you, the path won't be taken. You have to do the job. But we always want to be the person that's very protected. Like, what if I fuck up? Like, what if what if I fuck up at my job? That's fine. Like, the fuck-ups happen, growth, that's, that's good management. That's when we talk about the management. But you can't always be, like, blaming it directly on management at all. You cannot do that. Sometimes it comes down to the individual to say, I'm not good right now. And if I want to stay good at my job or keep my current situation, I have to perform. That's every walk of life. Everyone, not just sports. But I just think the revisionist history is something that's wild these days, too, where last year, Billy Epler assembled with Buck Showalter. The Mets won 101 games. The only reason they didn't win the division is because they couldn't beat the Braves one time in September. But the Braves are just that fucking team. Sometimes, like, the Mets to the Phillies are the Braves to the Mets. It's a... It's a so, fucking closed Venn diagram, those three teams. Rock, paper, scissors. It's, it just is what it is. But after that season, 97% of Met fans after that season said in an offseason in which they lost Jacob DeGrom, they improved the pitching staff. That was the one thing everyone said. They've replaced DeGrom with Verlander, who's coming off one of the best years of his career. You get year two of Max Scherzer. You you took Taiwan Walker turned him into Kodai Senga. You took Chris Bassett turned him into Jose Quintana. You have Cookie Carrasco as a five-starter. You think you have so much pitching that you're actually trying to trade Cookie Carrasco in the offseason. Because if Cookie can't do it, well, you have David Peterson, Tyler McGill, and five guys waiting in AAA that have experience pitching in the major leagues with success. Everybody thought the pitching staff was going to be fucking great. They fucking suck. And now everyone's like, well, why didn't he sign Nate Eovaldi? Because you're full of shit. That's why I didn't sign Nate Eovaldi. No fucking way you knew that guy was going to be Cy Young this year. Someone that sucked with the Red Sox and was nearly out of fucking baseball three years ago. Guys, I love Eovaldi. That is not, he's not that guy. (laughs) He ain't that guy. But it's some, oh my God, I saw someone out there say like, well, Andrew Haney would be helping. My fucking ass. Andrew Andrew Haney. Haney. What are we talking about? What what the, what is anybody talking about, right? I just, oh my God, why can't we be angry at players in 2023? I need to know it's why a really this is good, happening. It's, it's a very, very good argument. It, I, I, I do think you can – there are a lot of stands, like stands that just like, I love this player. They can never do no wrong no matter what. Players do take too much – it's kind of the hate has gone too far situation where people have hated on players way too much, whereas there's been pushback, and from us as well, where it's, hey, guys, let's calm down for a second. Like, we don't have to scream and yell. I'm and sweating. then it becomes a defense brigade, and now the defense brigade has gone too far. I've worked up a sweat. Good. I'm upset. That's, I'm that's just, the, I'm fucking, I just don't get it. Like what the immediacy of everyone being like, this loss is on buck. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I should starting pitch and go more than four innings. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Possibly. Maybe get a quality start. Just one, just fucking one. The Mets. I saw the stat out there. The Mets are now 13, 13 and 12. And 12. I knew games, it. <laughs> 13 and 12 in games in which they scored six plus runs, 13 and 12 league average is about, I think 75 to 80% win. So if the Mets simply, Played a league average. They're now 20 and 5 in games in which they scored six runs. Instead of being seven games under, they're seven games over, and they are in first in a wild card spot. It's that. I, that's not on Buck Showalter. I, I don't know what to tell you. That's on the pitchers giving up seven in those games. It fucking. Oh, God. I just. The immediacy that everyone was like, Firebuck, Firebuck. What are you going to do? Who's coming in here to magically fix everything? Abrica fucking Dabra on Justin fucking Verlander? I just, uh, your best hitter is Jake Berger, Ryan. Yes, Jake Berger. Jake I just, Berger. That, that, that I've related never more in my life to a fan calling in to fucking radio. 
By the way, WFAN, congratulations on being in the shitter. You, oh, you, it's over. You took something beautiful and you ruined it, just like the New York Mets. Yeah, the fan, I don't know what it's doing. It needs it needs some star power. Pretty bad. It needs, needs some star players. I don't maybe, know what they're going to do. Maybe if they fire Buck, they'll hire him. Yeah, I don't Great. think it's. I don't think that's enough. This has been Bushwitz Breakaway, <laughs> a show about the Mets. We'll be I, back. I fucking hate this baseball team so much. You should, man. They suck. Hey, but good news for everybody. After the watch party we do on Wednesday, I'm doing another one for the Mets for some fucking reason. <laughs> Great on news. Friday. Well, playbacks like we really want you to do more of these, and I'm like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> Play, playback, just hold it, holding the side, do it or it dies. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm at a point where playback held a gun to my head and was like, you need to do more Mets games. I'd be like, pull the fucking trigger. Please, I'm begging you. <laughs> Gun violence isn't a joke. All right, we will talk to you guys for BSBOT probably Wednesday night um, or Thursday what? after the draft, something like that. I don't know. Uh, I, I would think Thursday, buddy. You, you really get, we're going to do a playback for three no, hours and you're going to want to do an OT? Thursday it is. So Thursday <laughs> it is. We will talk to you guys Thursday after the draft. Love you guys. Bye. It's the end of the show, so I thank our NHL Insider members of all our Patreons, but especially these ones, who keep this show going. The Insider Chat has been absolutely wild of recent, uh, including some uh, conversation about Matt Ryan and much, much more. So, without further ado, I'd like to read some names that I will mess up. Adam Cassidy, Adam Co- Cohen. I mean, two names in, Ryan. Two names in. Adam Cortulo, Adam Linder, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Carter, Amber Coensberger, Andrew Ronner, Anthony Gray. I could record this once. I could just record it one time and, and play it at the end of every episode whenever there was an update. But every single week, I come on here and read them. Why do I do that to myself? Amber, Co- Amber Coensberger, Andrew Ronner, Anthony Gray, Anthony Martoro, Anthony Terragata, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bennett Lomayer, Bill Olson, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lacos, Brandon Magnum, Brett Granger, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Do- Oh, Brian Doherty. Okay, cool. I said that. Didn't say that in order. Awesome. Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Brian Farrell, Cassidy Rollman, Chris Finelli, Chris Howard, Rosicky Stellwagen, Conrad Pedemich, Daniel Delaney, Daniel Dizan, David Naredin, David Siegel, Dennis Deitz, Darian, Eric Stagg, Give Gardner a Cup, Garrett Rainis. Greg talks about the Mets a lot at the end of this podcast. Gretzky, McFly, Hayak, Waivers, Harrison Hasco, Hill, Vanilla, Hippipidinon, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jack Bagley, James Masker. Going to the next page, Jerry and Marquez, Jason Zabraski, Jamie Mack, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kestenbaum, Christopher Florida, Christoph Berg, Leszek Gronowski, Lou Giordano, Matthew Goodwin. Lou, I hope you're having a good time on your cruise. It looks like a good time, buddy. Matthew Kine, Meatball the Cat, Mike Bucklaw. Mike Bucklaw as well. Have a great day. I, I don't even know what you're up to. I just want to let you know. Mike ba- <laughs> Mancuso, Mike Pasternak, Nate Hanafi, Neil Grover, Nikki Palms, Nicholas Dindicola, other slash Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Pavel, Conjurer to Trev. Phoenix Ignition. <laughs> Phoenix Ignition? No, oh boy. Phoenix Ignition. PJ Sparrow. Pro World Takes Gamer. Randy Tesser. Rocco Thompson. Rocco, welcome. Steve Bulbach. Steve himself. Swingart. This drop BK. Tommy Seclary. Tommy Dadeshi. Tommy O'Neill. Tony Gregory. Two first names. Tori from Manhattan. The original supporter. Vinny Brocco. Vinny Hay. Wayne E. Will Specter. And Winston. The Golden Retriever. Bark, 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 bark. Thank you all for another wonderful episode of Bluetooth Breakaway. Uh, the draft is this week. You know my feelings on it. Would be fun if we did something. Uh, we're not going to. I'm not going to get excited. But if we do, I will throw a party. Anywho, I hope you have a wonderful week. Uh, the trade, just so you know, in case you're wondering, why didn't we talk about the Taylor Hall trade during this show? Well, it happened after we recorded. So that is why. 
And uh, maybe we brought it up with Drew. I don't know. I'm recording this before Drew. Look at like, everything's out of order for you, the listener. It's like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Uh, but yes, it is very, very fun to salary dump a upper echelon player in the NHL. This league, this league makes very little sense to me. It's just very weird. It's so strange. <laughs> Paying attention to other sports in a decent amount and covering the NHL is uh, weird. So weird. I look. I know that. I know that Boston Bruins needed the salary cap. I get that. Just gave them away. Nothing coming back. Crazy. Love you guys. We'll be back with BSBOT on Thursday. See you guys then. Love you guys. Bye.